Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. But you know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Why adfreeshows.com? It's simple. It's early and ad-free. Why wait for your favorite shows to drop when you can listen as soon as they stop recording? There's no need to wait. You can access it all before anyone else can. Plus, no ads. No one telling you what to bundle or how to keep that man part standing tall. None of that. It's just straight content from all your favorite hosts, including Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, Kurt Angle, and the rest of the team. That's not all. You also get immediate access to watching their reactions live on video as well. So don't put it off any longer. Do it now. You won't be disappointed. Start enjoying all the podcasts you love early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. Get your something to wrestle gear at brucepritchard.com and check out boxagimmicks.com, the official something to wrestle store where you can find gimmicks for yourself or the fan in your life. New items added weekly. Hey, listen up. If you're in a 30-year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, what are you waiting for? Hurry to save with Conrad.com. We're routinely helping wrestling fans just like you all across the country save more money than they ever thought possible. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. But what's best about SaveWithConrad.com? It's the experience. Don't take my word for it. Check out all the five-star reviews over at ConradReviews.com. Michael up in Akron, Ohio, gave us five stars and said Jimmy and Jennifer were great to work with. They always responded right away whenever I had any questions. We got another five-star review from Robert in New Jersey. Another five-star review from Judith in North Carolina. What about a five-star from Nicholas in South Carolina? Or a five-star from Stephanie in Indiana? Or a five-star from Corey in Florida? We want to save you money. We want to show you how to keep more of your own money. And we're routinely helping podcast listeners just like you. Say five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you can do it too right now at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. Let her rip. No, you have a big There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shit. Fuck you, Bruce. Ah,
chicken salad. Double onion, mother. You're nothing but an egg sucking dog. They're on the Google machine. Goddamn, kid. Goddamn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more. Ooh, yeah. What say you? Pronouns, pal. And now, something to wrestle with. Con Bruce Pritchard. The second most recognizable athlete in the entire world today. Conrad Olsen. What happened when? Huh. What would Vince say about that? Well, hey, Vince. Yeah. My shorts look good tonight. Yeah. They're so big. Yeah. Let's go. Bullshit. Welcome to WrestleMania. Pearl title now. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With. A very sleepy, a very tired very stressed a very injured bruce pritchard bruce how are you pal i'm sick conrad and you're sleepy pretty sleepy are you tired um i'm i'm uh what's that other word for tired fatigued i'm fatigued okay tired yep oh wait a minute that's the other word i was looking for yep i'm sleepy i'm run down and i blame you I didn't push you down an entire flight of stairs at Madison Square Garden. Uh, as to catch everybody up, our plan was to uh, record a very special something to wrestle on Saturday, but unfortunately Friday, Bruce fall down, Bruce go boom in Madison <laughs> Square Garden. Okay, first of all, yes, I had a, a, a small incident. incident. Where I went down, technically two flights of stairs, but really it was it was all about all about five, well six steps total included in the both flights. But your phone finished the fall, right? Well, my phone, my phone fucking made the fall. Your phone went ringside. Yeah. So I thought I hurt my knee, but you know how like when you're falling. And you don't want people to either see you or you really just don't want to fall. So you try to look cool and catch yourself and twist all around and do all that other kind of horse happy shit. And you tried to catch yourself to save face and in the process you made it worse. Yeah. And I, as I went on through the day, I just knew that my knee hurt. And as the story goes... You thought you had busted your knee open. It was a crimson mask on your knee. So you hike up your pants and with a little help from one of your friends. Well, they were blinded by the paleness of my skin. First of all, it was not bust open. You can look at it right now. See right there. There's a little bump right there, but ow, that hurt. Um, but it doesn't look like anything. It, uh, but, but, but then you cool down and then you sit down and see like I really didn't cool down because I had a goddamn thing to do and I did my thing. And then by the time I got home on Friday night, it was time to get in the other thing to come to the airport thing. Commercial, I might add. That's where you are now. You're flying commercial to Alabama. Yeah. I guess we've buried that's, the lead. That's what fucking happened. You and I are in person for the first time in a long time. It just... Mere feet from where something to wrestle was originally conceived. Boy, that sounded weird. Uh, but you told me the old radical story. And I, I still tried- see the stains. <laughs> I 
And I tried to pitch you. You on, told me uh, not to handle my microphone, and I'm handling it. That's okay. Handle it right away. We ain't got like one of them thingies. Well, here's the deal. We don't normally record podcasts at the kitchen table here at the Conradison. Now, I'm glad to be doing it. This should be Kitchen Table with Connie and Bruce. Is that what you want to call this show? Uh, Sure, if you want to. Well, I was hoping we could call it Greg the Hammer Valentine. Okay, well, so any goddamn way. um, You come to Alabama. I'm in a lot of pain. And you you had an incident at the Atlanta airport. I did. Kimberly can kiss my ass with Delta Airlines. At the gate agent there in Atlanta. The gate agent at gate uh, D41. So, Kimberly, if you were working, and if anybody knows Kimberly... Uh, working at Atlanta Airport at Gate D forty one on a Saturday Delta. morning Delta. on Delta. yeah on Delta no I'll just I'm on Delta they kiss my ass and then when you finally got here you were greeted with open arms and a and a warm pool and it was ready to go I was happy when I got here wasn't I and then you took a nap and I didn't think you'd kick out Korean barbecue and then the next day Brucey didn't feel good and I couldn't help but wonder because you'd told me that. A person in your life had maybe had some situations going on physically, and you had just ridiculed them mercilessly. And now, maybe this is old karma coming Karma's back. a bitch. I will say that. Karma's a bitch. So, does this mean we're going to get a nicer, more gentler, polite Bruce moving forward? When? Today? Not today. No. But sometime in the future? Highly unlikely. Okay. Well, are you excited to be in Alabama? I mean... As excited as one can be to be in Alabama. I mean, had all your favorites here. We had the the Mexican breakfast. You didn't eat that. We had your favorite barbecue. You weren't thrilled with that. We took you to Stone Age barbecue, the uh, Korean barbecue outfit, and you didn't necessarily love that. I got you Dairy Queen. I don't think that was to your satisfaction. This has really been the shits for a vacation for you, has it not? Well, it sure has. Yeah. You should be ashamed. You know what? And, and the other thing, and, and, you know, we're at this goddamn resort and everything. Oh, and, my, and, you mean uh, my house? Come on now. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a resort. All right. Uh, true or false? I cooked you a filet last night. True, true or false? You got like multiple elevators in here. That one. Go, okay. I took, you have one that goes up to the suite level, which is my suite. Right. And so I got to the suite. And all your what favorite. What did I do for you? And all your favorite drinks were in there. True or false? Some of them. I mean, I'm not putting this. I was even told he's not bringing toiletries. We'll need to make sure he has. I got you set up with toiletries, too. I offered to do that. You're still fussing. I'm not fussing. A little. What do you have now in the guest suite? A pickle pen just for you. Oh, no. I buried the lead. I forgot. Brucey. uh, (laughs) No, forget it now, man. No, yeah, no, no, it doesn't I've, even matter. No, you don't care. You don't remember. You don't care. You don't like it. I haven't it. used it. You have worn it out. You've broken I've, it I've in. I've broken the motherfucker in. That's for damn sure. True or false? Now, two people who work on this show have shit on my floors here at the Cotton Radisson. Silva downstairs and you upstairs. But I was sick. Well, how do we know he wasn't? And how do you know I didn't clean it up? Oh, I'm sure you did. Well, I'm sure Stephanie no, did. No, I cleaned it up. You personally did. Personally. Now, you, earlier you said you couldn't reach down and get your phone, but now you're scrubbing floors? I don't buy that. Mm. Oh, you put it on the floor and moved your foot back and forth? Yes. Okay. Either way, though, I do need to give Bruce some props. Uh, during your visit, you had your wife install a washlet upstairs. Now, wait a minute. See, like, and you give it... Uh, who bought the damn the the, the you, bidet? You purchased the I washlet. I purchased it and got it here on a Monday. And then I said, wow, uh... Do you have a package here addressed to your name? And you said, yep. yep. 
And I said, and this is, and you said, it's a bidet. And I said, okay. Because I was promised a bidet in the brochure. Well, there was one, but we had But we got it. there and there was not one. So, well, I mean, but here's what the best kind part. of management, what kind of hotel are we running here? Well, leave me a poor review on Yelp. I'm going to. A strongly worded poor review. Just like I left Kimberly at uh, that Delta Airlines an extremely poor review. And I've asked Delta Airlines and I've called Delta Airlines to call me so that I could discuss this issue with them because I had a really poor experience with them. Feel better now? No. Uh, as we're recording this, we have a new WWE world champion. Congratulations, Mr. Big E. I know we don't talk about current stuff, but that was pretty cool, man. So uh, it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. And we're excited to be here today to be talking about one of the all-time greats, Greg the Hammer Valentine. He was born into this business on September 20th, 1951. So we're not too far away from Mr. Hammer turning the big 7-0. So show him some love on social media. Of course, the Hammer's father was Johnny Valentine. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners, Bruce, they grew up in the golden age of the WWF. They may not be familiar with that name, Johnny Valentine. For those listeners who don't know, who is Johnny Valentine? Johnny Valentine was from Seattle, Washington. Probably one of the regarded as one of, if not the toughest wrestlers uh, ever to lace up a pair of boots, especially in his heyday, he was he was a legit badass man, and and his matches were legendary for the brutality. And I, I dare say that any of your uh, your extreme guys over the last you know fifteen twenty years that think they were extreme and think they were tough, I don't think would have lasted five minutes with Johnny Valentine. Heyday versus heyday. Uh, he was just that good and just that tough. But Johnny was the kind of guy that when he would come into a territory, reputation and all, drew everywhere, top guy everywhere. But Johnny took a long time to get over. But when he got over, he stayed over. I recently had an opportunity to spend some time with Mr. Crockett, and he said that Johnny would be so slow and methodical in working a hold or a move that the fans hated it, but eventually they grew to hate him. Yeah. And that's when they knew, that's when he knew he had them. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. But also, you know, Johnny had the thing. It's like, Hey, you may not, you may not believe that wrestling's real, but by God, you're going to believe that I am. Yeah. And that was the way Johnny approached the business and approached everything that he did. He had matches in Houston when I was growing up as a kid with Wahoo McDaniel and Bull Curry that were legendary. I mean, there there's stuff out there with him and Bull Curry, and you just see, I mean, you see the flesh moving when they're punching each other in the face and in the head. Um, and those Valentine chops, the sweat would just fly oh. off. I mean, there was no pulled punches there. It was full force, man. Yeah, and I've got hanging over my, my fireplace in my office a shot of uh, Dory Funk Jr. with a reverse chin lock on Johnny Valentine from the same Houston Coliseum that Jeff Winningham, a photographer from Friday Night in the Coliseum, took and Marty Funk's dad painted. Um, it just was... I mean, Johnny was the real deal, man. He was a badass, and he would come in and get over as the baddest heel in the business and in the territory, and he would beat everybody up 
And then when it was time, man, you turn that son of a bitch baby face, Katie bar the door. He was insane. So by now you figured out that old Brucey is in town here in Huntsville. And I don't know who the hell vacations in Huntsville, but he did. As soon as he walked through the front door though, he saw something sitting on my little foyer table and he said, Hey, is that solid gold? Of course it is. Solid gold is the only way to take care of our pets. Bruce and I really believe in it. And I've just found out this trip. I had heard the rumor in innuendo, but uh, Mrs. Pritchard really is the puppy whisperer. And these dogs love her because she's taking good care of them. She's getting them solid gold. You need a solid gold pet. If you really love your pet, man, I can't recommend solid gold enough. They have a founding belief and their platform is whole is all based on this. But high quality food is the best way to impact our pets, mind, body, and spirit. And it's little things that you need to know. Like 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut. So if we're feeding our dogs the right stuff, they're just going to have a better lifestyle. They're going to have a better existence. They're going to have a better quality of life. We're not just talking about their immune system, but their overall wellness and a healthy digestive system. Man, it's paramount with that. For over 45 years now, Solid Gold has revolutionized what's called the holistic pet food category. Now they've even got a recipe for every dog and every cat's dietary need. Check this out. You can get healthy whole grain, even grain-free options, wet food, supplements like sea meal, and 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. Solid Gold foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, they balance with living probiotics, and they fuel with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids, supporting gut health and nourishing your pet inside and out. Right now, to save 30% on select Solid Gold products, go to solidgoldpet.com wrestle. That's solidgoldpet.com wrestle to save 30% on select Solid Gold products. Remember, solidgoldpet.com wrestle. Do you ever hear any stories about Johnny Valentine, the river? Oh yeah. Lots of, lots of Johnny Valentine, the river, but, but okay. We're going to go back to that. Put a pin in that. Okay. Put a pin in that. I'll pin. come back. Pin. Okay. We're going to go back to the, to the rib stories, but Johnny Valentine. And I don't know if I ever t- it stopped me. If I did folks, folks, y'all just say, Hey Bruce, you already told this one before. Are you, are you talking into the recorder? <laughs> you missed that. Bruce did not, not say that into the microphone. I'm talking to our people. <laughs> Hello, hello. Um, that's another story in and of itself, too. But um, so Johnny, okay, I, I grew up in El Paso, right? Grizzly Smith was a big star in El Paso, and so Grizzly had a, a shot an angle in El Paso with Harley Race. Grizzly had an iron stomach, and we let people punch him in the stomach and do all these other strongman kind of gimmick things. And in El Paso, Harley Race. Says, oh, yeah? Well, I bet you that you can't take if I got up on the uh, top of a six-foot ladder. Six foot. That's like jumping off of a human being that's six foot tall. Yeah. Wouldn't be like jumping off of a human being that was 4'9". Six-foot ladder. Yeah. And let me come across your stomach. And Harley got up on top of that ladder, and he came down, crashing across Grizzly Smith's neck and broke it. Carried Grizzly out. Out on a um, stretcher, stretcher, and Grizzly was gone. Man, his career was over, never to be heard from again. And then I moved from El Paso, Texas, to Houston, Texas. When I got to Houston, I found out that uh, old Grizz had had a miraculous recovery somewhere in there, and and was still doing that strongman thing with his stomach. 
Which you would think he would have learned his lesson with Harley Race. You would think. But this time he did it with Johnny Valentine. And Johnny Valentine says, oh, yeah? Well, these guys are sitting there punching you and kicking you in your stomach. I bet you that you can't take a blow if I was to climb up to that top rope and came down on your stomach. You know that fucker did? He didn't come down on his throat, did he? Harley came. Harley. Johnny came right off the top rope, right across Grizzly's neck and broke his neck, and they took Grizzly out on an ambulance on a stretcher, and he's gone forever. Is that the first time you were, quote-unquote, smartened up, or you realized, hey, what is I was devastated. Yeah. Hurt me a little bit inside. It's like finding out there is no Santa Claus, which we know no one will ever know because there definitely is. Yeah. A Santa Claus. Um, So Johnny liked to rip. My favorite part of that story is when he said... (laughs) Harley threatened to come across his belly. Anyway, so there were ribs. Johnny Valentine had ribs. Mr. Crockett told me once that they had to watch Mr. Valentine because whenever they would set out catering in old Crockett promotion shows, he would uh, occasionally take a shit in a cup and then dump it in the country fried steak, cover it in gravy, stir it in real good, and just sit and watch. The idea being you had to... Hit that buffet before Johnny did. Got any other Johnny Valentine ribs? Johnny was a mean ribber. Sounds like it. Johnny was one of those guys that, that kind of, and he had a sick, sadistic laugh. Kind of, <laughs> um, one time there's a guy named Jay York. I believe this took place somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Jay had an inhaler. Oh. Uh, had asthma. And Johnny put lighter fluid in his in his inhaler. And Jay came back from the ring. So while Jay's in the ring, Johnny goes in his bag, pulls the inhaler out, fills it full of lighter fluid, and then the kid comes back through looking for his inhaler. He's got asthma. Got asthma. And it wants to breathe. Sure. And he hits the inhaler and takes in all this lighter fluid and thought he was going to die. And uh, Johnny's laughing his ass off and all this stuff. And Jay went out and got a gun, <laughs> came in to shoot Johnny. Not so funny now. Not so funny now. And Johnny, as legend has it, his eyes got big. And thank God enough guys got a hold of Jay and Jay missed. But, yeah, Johnny was mean like that. Johnny Johnny would, uh, he, he liked to, to do shit. But the best, on the flip side, you know, like Johnny used to like pissing people's clothes and things like oh. that, and you know, their suitcase and everything. Right. Um, so Johnny had a horrible uh, airplane accident with a couple guys that you may know, like Bob Bruggers and um, Richard, uh, just different people that were on this plane and in, in the plane. <laughs> oh, nobody else. <laughs> no, Bob Bruggers and Johnny Valentine. Okay. Um, a couple so, other guys, and and yeah, a couple maybe, other guys, maybe. And um, but Johnny like broke his back in the damn thing, and Johnny, you know, never would never walk without the aid of of crutches and braces again. So Johnny was basically um, some people would call him a cripple. Oh, because I mean he was in a, in a in a pretty bad way, and. Johnny still liked fuck with people because he was Johnny Valentine. So one night at the White House Hotel on South Main in Houston, Texas, about three o'clock in the morning, he had been out drinking and 
partying and inhaling all kinds of things and uh and two people told me this story that were their eyewitnesses and like he told the exact same story so it's got to be true well, it's got to be true because of the people that told that, that told it and how they told it. I like Ivan Koloff wasn't a big bullshitter. No, Ivan was pretty fucking straight up, straight guy. And and Red Bastine was a fun guy, but Red would you know tell us straight up. Red liked to have a good time. And they were going upstairs at the hotel, and Johnny's trying to navigate the stairs with the scrutches, and his crutch went out from underneath him. And when he did, and he tried to catch himself, kind of like I did at the garden, the second crutch went flying. Oh, no. So now Johnny is sprawled out on the steps going up to the second floor at the White House Hotel. And he's like, you know, laughing, ha, 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 because he's drunk and high and all kinds of shit. And Johnny's laughing his ass off because he finds the humor in it that he can't walk and he's fallen down and he can't get up and he's got all his buddies there and he's like, hey, God, Red, can you get me my, my crutches? Red says, God damn, John. Can't get up and get the crutch yourself? He says, no, Red, I can't. I can't get up without my crutches. I need my crutches. Says, so you can't get up at all. You can't move. He says, No. Need my crutches. So let me get this straight. You cannot move. Hmm. And he says, no. And so Red just uh, had to relieve himself at that point in time. And Red just kind of peed all over Johnny. Right there in the hotel. Right there in the fucking staircase going up to the second floor of the White House Hotel on South May. It may still be there in... Knowing that hotel, they didn't replace the carpet. I doubt they replaced the carpet from the seventies, or it was probably yeah, late seventies, early eighties. And, and Johnny laughed his ass off because he knew he thought it was the funniest thing in the world. He would have done it. It's he would have done right? it. He thought it was hilarious. Yeah, thought he was like you know, <laughs> is that like a tradition in, in wrestling? You have like to get broke in, somebody has to pee on you. No. Okay. I just know Michael Hayes. I know Michael Hayes has peed on like a thousand people. Well, uh, he's a sick bastard too. Dude, dude, dude. So, uh, Greg was born in Seattle, Washington before moving to Texas. Of course, Johnny's going to be a mainstay there as Bruce has just sort of laid out. As the legend goes, Johnny attempts to deter his son from entering the business, but of course it's no use. Greg drops out of college and eventually wants to pursue this dream so bad that his dad says, Hey, if you're going to get trained to wrestle, go see Stu Hart. So Greg's actually a product of the Hart dungeon, which I don't think is mentioned very often. You ever talk to Greg about his experience with the Hart family? No, I, I'd never have actually see that's, that's news to me, but I knew that Johnny did not want Greg to be a wrestler, did not want Greg in the business and discouraged him heavily. And made it difficult for him and told him, you're not going to use the family name. Like, you're not going to go out. You're not going to sponge off my name. You know, Johnny Valentine. Sure as hell aren't going to be my son. Because at the time, the whole uh, deal was that you look at Johnny Valentine, you didn't want to. He looked older, but at the same time, you, you didn't want your star 
to be the father of a 20-year-old man. Right. So when Greg broke in and when Greg came to Texas, came through for the first time, uh, he was... Um, he was a different name. Yeah, it was Fargo, but I don't remember if he was Greg Johnny Fargo, Fargo. Johnny Fargo. He was the brother of Don Fargo in Buffalo and Cleveland before going to Texas. That's not true, though. He wasn't their brother. Conrad, it was Greg Valentine. It was Johnny Valentine's son. <laughs> uh, his debut match was in Calgary. Against- How can we laugh more when we're first? <laughs> we- well, first of all, it's a little absurd. You're wearing shorts and a watch and glasses in my kitchen. And we've got, heard, uh, we've got Advil, a diet Pepsi, a roll of, uh, paper towels, a bag of starburst jelly beans, a backup uh, glass of ice and a Gatorade. Uh, Gatorade. And Oh, by the way, a full legitimate COVID system. So we could test you and Stephanie before you came in. What's going on in our life? What have you done to me? I'm just wanting to make sure everybody's safe. All right. Forgive me. You, where the hell were you on Friday? Uh, listen, I thought it was Pat McAfee's day to watch you. Right, it's not my no. fault. So Angelo Mosca is his first opponent in 1975. Not somebody we talk about very often, uh, but certainly a, a notable all-timer. You got any Mosca stories you can share? Mosca was a mean old son of a bitch, but one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to fucking meet. Uh, former Canadian football player, big son of a bitch, looked like a goddamn silverback gorilla. Um, barrel chested, you mean? Barrel chested, long arms, uh, walked, had the gait like a gorilla, um, strong as shit, and mean. So. Moscow, Moscow was a big draw pretty much everywhere he went, and uh, just pretty tough. But but Moscow, I think, not to the same extent as Johnny, but Moscow was one of those guys that uh, didn't take it easy on you in the ring either. You earned everything you got with him, and you had to fight for it. There's a great deal. I don't know if it's still on YouTube or not, but Moscow at a Canadian Football League um uh, gathering reunion or whatever Moscow was getting a uh, an award and there was another old timer that Moscow had had you know like words with or they had had a feud or something uh during their years in football and Moscow's up there with a cane the other guys up there with a cane and all this shit and they start pushing each other and hitting each other with canes and got into a fight both of them old men. Both of them actually shouldn't have left the house that day. But by God, they got on stage and they got to a fight. That's, That's just tremendous. kind of guy that uh, Angela Mosque is. Okay, I just want to give you a heads up. I'm actually right now supposed to be reading copy to you from our friends at Chili Sleep. And when I say our friends, I mean it. But I'm going uh, to go rogue here. I'm going to go off script. I'm just going to tell you how this thing has changed my life. And when I say this thing, I mean the Uller. I'm not kidding around guys. This has become such a big part of my life. I've told my wife, I've told my friends, I've told my family. It's now a non-negotiable. You've heard me talk about things like this in the past that I really like to have a washlet on my toilet. I really like to use wet wipes. I, I have a certain few things that are like quirks in my life that I think are like creature comforts. This jumped to number one on the list. I feel better than I can remember in my entire life. 
the entire time I've been recording podcasts, I feel better right now. And I give 100% of that credit to chili sleep. Yes, this is technically an ad, but I am telling people in my real life left and right. how chili sleep has changed my life. I'm not exaggerating. I didn't realize that I was not dreaming process. What I just said, I have vivid, bright, and colorful dreams now that I never had before. And what that tells me I'm getting realm sleep, dude. There's been times where you guys have even joked on Twitter. Does this guy even sleep? When does he have time to do all of this? Candidly? I didn't. I slept about six hours a night at best. Since I've gotten a chili sleep hooked up, I have routinely slept eight, nine hours. I have to be woken up. I feel fantastic. It has been a real game changer in my life. I've decided to buy more of these, not just for my other residents, but I mean, I'm going to have extras in the garage. God forbid if something ever happens to my chili sleep, I need another one. I don't want to live a life without chili sleep. I know I'm shilling extra hard, but it's because I believe in it. By the way, none of this is in the script, so I hope they're not upset with me. But here's what we got going on, guys. Chili sleep is a mattress topper. Let me explain. It goes over your existing mattress. They're not trying to sell you a new mattress. It fits right over the top. And there's a little gimmick you're going to put beside your bed. You're going to hook the hose that runs from that mattress topper into this little gimmick. You're going to put a little bit of water and then you're going to pair it with your phone. There's a special app you'll put on your phone and ta-da, you're all set, man. Now what I've done is I've set a real routine. My bed starts getting cool every night at 10 o'clock. And it will warm up to wake you up whenever you want. You're in control of all of this. You don't have to do this automatic schedule thing, but my goodness, I am sleeping so good. I feel so great. I feel sharper. I feel like I'm getting more accomplished. I'm not tired throughout the day. I think a lot of people experience some sort of crash after lunch where they're just sort of give out. And if you feel like that and you think ah, it's probably because I'm overworked. No, dude, you're not sleeping well. And I thought for years, the trick was just crank down the AC, man, get some blackout shades, maybe throw a little strip on your nose and you'll be good to go. And I did all of that. And I thought, Hey, I'm on to something. I hooked up chili sleep. Dude, I didn't know what real sleep was. This has been consistent, deep sleep. And the reason it's working is it's lowering my core body temperature. I used to crank down my AC in my house to like 67. I set my chili sleep on 65. Dude, I don't need to chill off the, uh, the kitchen anymore. The dining room in my office in the laundry room don't need to be cold. I think I'm saving money here too, man. But more importantly, the way I feel, I even told my dad the other day, cause I just sold him on getting one of these dad. If they charged me per night, I would say deal. I almost feel like it's too good of a value. And here's what I mean. If they were like, Hey, Conrad, you want the best sleep you ever had? It's going to be 10 bucks. I'd say, hell yeah. Sign me up in perpetuity. I want to sleep like this every single night. These luxury mattress pads from Chili Sleep keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep. Whether you sleep hot or cold, that's worth mentioning, especially since it's about to start cooling off. Uh, my wife is going to want to climb into a warm bed. Not me. Uh, I want to climb into a cold bed, but what she's going to do, she's going to have her start warm and then cool her off. So she doesn't wake up all hot and sweaty. I know I sleep better when I'm cooler and I bet you do too. But man, I'm falling asleep. I'm staying asleep. I've got the confidence and energy to power through my day. I'm sold on chili sleep. I really recommend this to you. I don't even know that they're going to advertise next week and I don't care. I'm going to tell everybody I know they need a dog on chili sleep. Try it. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. Head over to chilisleep.com forward slash wrestle to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for something to wrestle listeners and only available for a limited time. 
That's chillysleep.com forward slash wrestle. That's C H I L I sleep.com slash wrestle. Take advantage of our discount and wake up refreshed every day. My dad's got one. I got Mike Dawkins, our gimmick attorney, getting one. I got Scott Hyatt, our hotel guy, getting one. Everybody in my life has heard about Chili Sleep ad nauseum, and you need to try it. I believe in it. It's awesome. I just talked about it for five minutes. I'm sorry about that. I know you don't like ads, but I love Chili Sleep, and I might talk about it next week, even if they don't buy an ad. Go to chilisleep.com forward slash wrestle. It's the best doggone money you'll spend this year. I promise. So supposedly, um, based on everything you just told us that, that confirms my research, the Valentines did not want Greg to debut as a Valentine. So he calls himself Babyface Nelson, which I got to think is a fucking great wrestling name. Would you, would you see that? Greg he looked a little baby like Babyface Nelson. I, yeah, I could go for that. Yeah, but he, he looked like Babyface Nelson with the old Al Capone gang and shit. So he spent six months. You know anybody in gangs? This is real, boys and girls. Uh, My daughter, Kansas, got her very first job. She's down at the Korean barbecue shop. So that's Bruce's favorite food. So that's where we went his first night here in town. And Bruce is um, in the wrestling bubble. (laughs) (laughs) He's trying to make conversation with my daughter. He says, So how you liking work? She answers, How's school? She answers. Awkward silence. And then Bruce cuts a piece of his bulgogi or whatever and then says, so are you in a gang? I said, did you join a gang yet? It's <laughs> a fair question. It's just hilarious. In Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. After six months in Calgary, he moves on to Detroit and uh, completes his training under the Sheik. With his pedigree being uh, Johnny Valentine's son and being trained by Stu Hart and the Sheik, I guess it's no surprise that uh, Hammer had quite the run in wrestling. What was the reputation of Sheik as a trainer? We've heard all about Stu Hart and the dungeon as a trainer, but what about the Sheik? The Sheik was a mean son of a bitch, too. <laughs> and, you know, again, the, these were old timers that, that taught you to the reality the of the business, respect yeah. the business and the reality of the business. And if you couldn't hold up your end, if you couldn't, if there wasn't a confidence that you could go into any bar anywhere in the United States and walk out, being able to kick most anybody's ass in that bar, then you didn't belong in the business. Yeah. So it explains a lot about Greg because people always talk about just how unmercifully tough Greg was. Um, his upbringing and his training and his first few years in the business was, was just that. I know, you know, uh, Johnny had uh, Buddy Roberts who uh, became a Valentine at one point in his career. Uh, but it was... became a free bird and took an ass whooping like nobody else. Well, somebody had to. Yeah. Why well, going to be Michael? Yeah. Please. So let's talk about this. You said, uh, you know, you remember Valentine in Texas. Did you see Greg in Texas? Oh, yeah. I saw Greg as Fargo. As Fargo. John Fargo, Did you ever see him as? Greg Valentine? Yes, in Texas. I will will look and see if I have. There is a picture of Greg Valentine, and it's like old wrestling pictures. He's got his fist up, and he's got another... 
uh, his other hand up like a like an elbow smash. I, I know that picture. Okay. And I would draw lines as if his hair was combed straight back on that picture. I have it in a program somewhere. Just to say, God, that that is. I mean, because no, you couldn't deny that he was Johnny Valentine's kid. I say. So you as a little kid were like, Even as a little kid, I knew that was Johnny Valentine's something. Yeah, he's then, related. Yeah. yeah, but then they, they said, oh, it's Johnny Valentine's brother. Hmm. His younger brother. He heads to Florida and becomes Johnny Valentine Jr. before he settles on Greg the Hammer Valentine. So I guess this is a move, you know, nobody wants to be the senior. Perception's reality. You don't ever want to be perceived as being too old and maybe not a physical threat. Anyway, he gets to Japan in the mid-70s before his world is turned upside down. Uh, as you mentioned, his father is part of that infamous plane crash with Ric Flair and David Crockett. Uh, ultimately, he's uh, not going to be an in-ring performer moving forward. His, his father, Johnny, we mean. But Greg is quickly brought to Mid-Atlantic to replace his father, and man, his career has jump-started from there. He retires Johnny Weaver, teams with Ric Flair. They become the NWA World Tag Team Champions. And it's kind of fun to see the Royal Rumble 92 all those years later and Flair and Valentine are trading chops, but way back in 76, they were the tag champs. It's everything in wrestling is full circle, isn't it? Usually. Yeah. And Greg was able to, you know, it's horrible to capitalize off of something like that. But at the same time, Greg was a logical choice and it was, it kind of put Greg in his rightful spot. You know what I mean? As as Johnny's son. And let him have it, man. He was Johnny's son. I, I think Greg was proud of being Johnny's son, especially in the wrestling business to a point. But it, it was it was logical. Greg makes his biggest mark in 1977. He defeats Wahoo McDaniel for the Mid-Atlantic heavyweight title and, of course, breaks his leg. Uh, this is the classic and iconic I Broke Wahoo's Leg and we've all seen that shirt in old images, even if you didn't live through the angle. Uh, it has become an iconic angle and shirt as a result. Um, were you seeing stuff like this in the Crockett era just through the magazines at the time? Yeah, that's all you saw at that point was you got the, the I don't know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated was a thing at that point. But you had the wrestler, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Review, Wrestling Monthly, and that stuff. So that's how you kind of figured out what was going on elsewhere around the world. The whole I Broke Wahoo's Leg t-shirt, boy, that was just, uh, that was ahead of its time marketing, right? Yeah, imagine if they had sold the thing. It's just, really, you think about it, and it would have been huge. Is it a uh, surprise to you that given his pedigree and his quote-unquote work rate and all that and believability that he was never NWA world champion, or did he not really fit the mold? But you just take a look at the champions from that era, and you think, well, Greg could have been one of those guys. Greg could have been one of those guys, definitely, because I think Greg could have handled the travel, and Greg could have handled anybody in any ring anywhere in the world. So um, I don't know. Again, the the championship committee, if you will, and people that would make those determinations and make those choices, uh, a lot of times didn't always have – really good rhyme or reason as to why they chose certain guys to do it other than they wanted to get their territory want to take their, care guy. of their guys yeah, yeah they want to take their they wanted their guy from their territory to be the top guy so then when he dropped it he came back and he was 
former champion. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, recently I've been having conversations and some other podcasts about how the old NWA system, you know, was almost mob like, you know, instead of there being the head of the five families that we hear about, you know, from the, the mafia, here are all these heads of the territories and they're going to get together at one big annual convention and decide we're going to give you this guy and you're going to take that guy and here's our turf. And, but politics were always a part of wrestling. That's not a new thing, right? But not everybody got to participate in those. Right. Not everybody got to participate in the meetings. When it came down to the meetings to determine who the champion was going to be, what big moves there might be, it was only a few guys. Very closed off. Very closed off. And if you if you weren't a card-carrying member and, and a... Um, and even if you were in the meeting, it didn't mean you had any stroke. No, because but but the smaller meeting, the decision making meeting, yes, yeah, there were only a few guys in that. You know, that usually consisted of like Fritz and Eddie Graham, Jim Barnett, uh, Mushnick, and like Roy Shire. I don't even know if Roy even made those because Roy didn't believe in the NWA championship. He thought it was the fuck do I need them for? So let's keep it on track here. Talking about Valentine. He has a brief stint with the WWWF, uh, but given the success of what had happened in mid Atlantic, they thought, well, Hey, why not bring it up here? So what do you know? He winds up breaking the leg of chief J strongbow. You know, we've often said here on the show, it's almost a thing in the WWF. If, uh, you're bald and have a goatee, somebody's going to hit you with a fucking car. Well, if you're a Native American, Greg Valentine's going to break he's, your leg. He's looking to bust your leg up. Man, if you're like me, you were glued to your set this past weekend. Football is back, baby. And uh, I actually got kicked off a little early. On Thursday night, I was glued to my set. I could not believe the Cowboys hung around with your world champion Bucks. Uh, I thought for sure Tom Brady was going to run the score up, but it didn't happen. And that's what makes sports so fun. But if you're like me... I like to get a little action going. Did you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose though? I mean, I guess that's not really that surprising. The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention all the doggone experts who have more tools and more time and more access to information. You really don't stand a chance until now. Introducing stat hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Now here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and then dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, win or take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time and nobody else does that. And if I'm honest with you, I've had a lot of fun trash talking in the past, but I think this is the only way to do daily fantasy sports these days. You're in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash wrestle. Sign up for free, and right now, you get three times back on your first play. They're giving you 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash wrestle. That's stathero.com slash wrestle. Restrictions apply. See stathero.com for details. Uh, the hammer returns to mid Atlantic feuds with Ric Flair and, um, they wind up breaking up their tag team before he goes well, back. To okay. Work. But actually see then, and going back to that with strongbow. Yeah. Strongbow wasn't a native American. Uh, Wahoo was, 
Tatanka was, but Strongbow was old he Joe was a, Scarpa. He was a working Indian. He was a working Indian. Okay. So uh, they break up their tag team. They go back. He goes back to the WWF, and he's working on top with Bob Backlund. And in one of the most contested title matches of Backlund's whole run, he's at the Spectrum. Valentine loses, but the dazed referee hands Valentine the title instead of Backlund. So the title's held up. Did you ever hear about this story of Backlund and, and Greg Valentine and the Spectrum? Can't say I have. Backlund regains the title that was upheld, and then eventually Valentine would head back down to Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. He starts his feud with Wahoo back up, and then after winning the U.S. title, begins a now legendary feud with Rowdy Roddy Piper that we know results in a now infamous dog collar match at Starcade 83. Bruce, it's been a long time, but I'm not sure that there were many more physical matches at the time than those two. I mean, from what I understand, as the legend goes, Roddy left that match with some permanent hearing loss, right? Okay. So that's all That's all. wink and a nod? Sure. You know, they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, Roddy and, and Greg love to beat the shit out of each other. And, uh, you know, their whole thing was the same thing. They wanted you to believe. So you believed. To this day, it's still probably the gold standard for a dog collar match, isn't it? It's nearly 40 years ago, but when you think of dog collar matches, I think that one's right up there. You didn't see JYD and Butch Reed. So that one's on your list, too? Oh, yeah. Okay, so Valentine's and Piper sucked, right? No. I'm just wanting to know if it held up, and then we can move on. It was all right. It was good. <laughs> I thought you liked Piper. You I got love Piper. Piper. You don't know, Piper, Piper's whole thing was about the dog collar was that it had, like, sheepskin around the collar. Yeah. And, like, tore his neck up. Because sheepskin, when it would get wet, would just like the leather and everything just tore their necks all up. And Greg used to like to tug the tug the collar and everything to fuck with Roddy. Got it. So before you arrive in the WWF, Valentine rejoins the company. He's going to defeat Tito Santana to become the Intercontinental Champion. And, you know, with Tito and Greg, they really become sort of the, the workers' champion in 85. And I know you've taken issue with that classification before whenever we've referred to the Intercontinental title as the quote-unquote workers' belt. But, you know, Tito and Greg, two fine guys to headline any sort of B-show in that era, right? Oh, my God. They'd headline any any show, period, anywhere in the world. Those were, you know, you you look back at that time, Greg Valentine was a main event guy. So Absolutely. was Tito Santana. Um when you compare it to Hulk Hogan and whoever Hulk's dancing partner at the time was, okay, maybe it's uh, it's not the top match, but you could put it anywhere anywhere you want. A town, B town, C town, F town, and that was a huge main event because Greg Greg just was that kind of um, that kind of a star. He had a star appeal, and so did Tito. I want to be clear. I wasn't trying to be dismissive of those guys or their talents. I've just always been under the assumption that those, we'll call them secondary titles, were in place because occasionally your world champion wouldn't be available and you needed something to be in your main event. Do I have that wrong? No. I mean, it's just that they're, they're championships that you want to feature and some are by a hierarchy just in general. So he gets to face JYD at the very first WrestleMania at Madison Square Garden before he goes on to drop the title back to Santana after 285 days 
in a steel cage match in Baltimore. Valentine then destroys the title after the match. So we introduce a new title, uh, which is the same title that we covered over at adfreeshows.com on title chase. Were you watching any of these matches? I mean, this is predating your run with the company, but are you keeping up with their programming and what's happening on TV? As much as I could. I mean, I kept up on it, you know, through USA cable and all American and, uh, whatever that you could keep up on. And then eventually probably around 84, five, no, nah, probably 85. They got their TV in Houston. So yeah, I watched their TV whenever I could, obviously WrestleMania, but kept up with it in the magazines and shit. Valentine moves on to become part of the dream team with Brutus beefcake. Of course, eventually he's going to become the barber. And they become world tag team champions over the U.S. Express of Mike Rotundo and Barry Windham. They drop the titles at WrestleMania two to the British Bulldogs, and they're a tag team for another year. And then at WrestleMania three, they win their tag match. But Valentine walks out on Brutus because of a missed move, and Valentine forms a new dream team with Dino Bravo. But the rumor and innuendo is that Valentine really didn't enjoy tagging with old Dino. Can you speak to that? I don't know about that, but I feel bad for Greg on both <laughs> on both parts. He's not exactly uh, yeah. getting his day. Well, but you look at it, and, and on both both of those situations, who's the worker? Right, who's guy that's got to go in and, and, and take eighty eight percent of the match is Greg. Yep, you know, so Greg Greg's the worker. Greg's the guy that has to go in and tell the stories every night, and you know, Beefcake's going to come in and strut. Dino's going to come in and go. Oh, and that's it. So yeah, Greg, it was like for Greg, it was might as well be a singles guy. A lot of people who are listening to our podcast really remember that whole tag team of Valentine and, and beefcake fondly. Uh, you didn't care for the pairing. I did not. I wasn't a big fan. You know, I wasn't a big fan of early Brutus beefcake. Um, I just thought it was hokey. Yeah. And it looked like he was trying to be over the top. So I was never really a big fan of, of that. He was playing wrestlers. You know, yeah. So. And, he, and he was playing the gimmick. And, um, you know, same thing with Johnny V. I, I just thought, you know, Johnny, nice guy. But, hey, let me tell you something. I've got to get you. And it was not true. So supposedly... As the legend goes, the WWF came up with an idea for Valentine and Bravo to kidnap the Bulldogs mascot, Matilda, but Valentine balked at this creative and walked out and the Islanders wind up getting the angle instead. Eventually Valentine's brought back. Do you remember any of this? Hearing I about Greg, that? Yeah. I don't remember Greg balking at it. I definitely remember the angle and it was huge for the Islanders and Bobby Heenan. This is a great, great angle because, I mean, oh, my God, it was, have you seen Matilda <laughs> bring Matilda back? And um, Matilda was over. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Especially so. in that era where you're expanding into the rock and wrestling and kids and, you know, there's more kids watching wrestling maybe at that point than any time in history. And the dogs, well, dogs are over with kids. Yeah. Matilda was over. She'd bite the shit out of you, too. As 88 begins, Valentine is programmed back again with the fucking barber, and he's still managed by Jimmy Hart. Uh, how good was the pairing of Jimmy Hart and Valentine? I mean, 
Jimmy Hart and Greg Valentine. I don't know why it just fits for me. Well, Jimmy complimented Greg and what Greg didn't have in the over just, you know, Greg had natural charisma. Greg could walk out and you look at him and man, he is somebody. He could take 20 minutes to get into the ring and, and you watched him because he was just that, that type of a talent. But he wasn't over the top, man. Greg didn't have a lot of showmanship. Plain Greg, boots, plain yeah. trunks. And Jimmy, completely op- opposite. Jimmy was flamboyant. Yes, he was walking gimmick. So the two played off of each other perfectly. At WrestleMania 4 in the first round of the heavyweight title tournament, Valentine defeats Ricky Steamboat. That's right, Ricky Steamboat. And that's the last time Ricky's seen in the company for three years. Did you know going into WrestleMania 4 that Steamboat would be wrapping up here? I knew that weekend. Uh, Valentine goes on to lose to Randy Savage in the second round before Savage goes on to win the title. Uh, it's probably important, you know, to, to get a win over a guy like Valentine just for credibility's sake. If you were an old school fan, you know, it means something to beat Greg Valentine. And one of the more memorable moments, Jimmy Hart announces that due to an injury, Greg Valentine will now have to wear a shin guard on his left leg. And Jimmy calls it the road to the gold. I got to tell you, as silly as it is, that shin guard was over for me. Uh, whose idea was the shin guard, and why was something like that so effective in 88? I think it was Pat's idea. I either, I want to say it was Pat's idea, but it may have been actually Jimmy Hart's idea. Um, but I remember it, and I remember being told it, and I thought, this is the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. At the same time, it was great because of Greg's figure four leg lock when Greg would go to put the figure four leg lock on Greg would turn the shin guard around so that it was on his calf, which is where the pressure is on the figure four leg lock. I see folks, here's the thing you got to understand. You got that extra steel pressure on your leg. When you got figure four leg lock with an expert like Greg Valentine putting it on you. That's he gonna break a leg. He gonna break another leg, whether you're a Native American or not. He'll break your leg. <laughs> whether you're a Native American or not. So, but the the fucked up thing about uh, I think that was Garvin that we the big feud we're gonna get to. Yeah, yeah. But the the fucked up thing for Greg was is he would wear the shin guard every night, and he developed. Um, like a, a a knee injury because it would where it would stop and he would work and his his knee ballooned all up. Uh, what a rib! So the shin guard actually hurt him. Yeah, wow. in real life it actually hurt him. And Greg, being Greg, doesn't tell anybody until it's you know way too late and he's already got this huge humongous. And I mean, it was like a I bet you it was bigger than a softball. Well, in that era, too, he's probably making the most money he'd ever made in his wrestling career, right? I would assume so, yeah. So you don't want to upset the apple cart. I get that. Well, let's talk about another big angle that's coming for Greg. He defeats a preliminary wrestler, but continues the hold, this figure four, after the match is over, and uh, superstar Billy Graham has seen all he can see. So he's going to get involved to try to make the save, but, of course, Valentine's going to take out his leg. And puts the figure four on him. And of course he has a plastic hip and we're explaining all this on TV. Was Graham up for this? The way his body was at the time. I mean, he used to be the cock of the walk and now, Oh, you're this old man and they're taking it too far or whatever. 
No, you know, Superstar, look, first of all, I think that, uh, I think we were sold a bill of goods with Superstar when he came back in general. He said he was tip top and he, he was ready to go. He was tip top shape and that he looked like the Superstar Billy Graham of 1974. Not so much. And um, he showed up and it was like, rut row. Yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, Superstar got into it more and more. Superstar realized that, hey, man, he couldn't go with his hip the way that he thought he could go. And we as a company couldn't continue to, to put him out there. So this was a way to kind of take take Billy off the out of the ring and kind of ease him out of there. Put him on the shelf for a little while. Have you ever looked at your credit card statement and been shocked by the interest rate? Did you know you could actually roll all of your credit card debt into one monthly payment at a lower fixed rate? Lower your interest rate and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Rates start at 5.93% APR with idle pay and excellent credit. Plus the rate is fixed. So it'll never go up over the life of the loan. And you can get a loan from 5,000 to a hundred thousand dollars. And there are absolutely no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. And that's exactly what they deliver. And right now, just for my listeners, you can apply now and get a special interest rate discount and save even more. Now, the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash wrestle. Of course, this is subject to credit approval. Rates range from 5.93% APR to 19.99% APR, and it includes a half a percent auto pay discount. The lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. That's lightstream.com slash wrestle. Well, let's talk about some, uh, some controversy. Don Morocco is going to attempt to stick up for Billy Graham and they begin to feud with Valentine and of course, Jimmy Hart, but it abruptly ends when Morocco was let go. Valentine has claimed in interviews that he begged and pleaded not to let Morocco go. Do you remember what happened here and why Greg went to bat so hard to keep Morocco around? Well, I can imagine Greg just in general, he was friends with Morocco. I don't know what the hell Morocco did, but I, I could definitely see Greg trying to save his friend and cause he liked Don. Of course, on the other channel in 1987, unbelievably Ronnie Garvin beat Ric Flair to become the NWA world champion, but fast forward to 88 and he's no longer with the NWA or Jim Crockett promotions. Now he's brought into the WWF. And he Im- almost immediately begins a feud with Greg, the hammer Valentine, which I remember fondly, you know, from SummerSlam and whatnot. Why was Ronnie the right opponent for Greg? Cause he's blonde. I mean, really in, in they stature, beat the shit out of each other, they're both kind of barrel chested, sawed off thick looking dudes, both blonde hair. You know, they're going to chop the shit out of each other. It is a similar style, and, yeah. and they say in, in, in MMA, styles make fights. Is that sort of the thinking with Ronnie? It was, because they we knew that they would beat the living shit out of each other. And, and again, throughout the night, when you have a variety show of different talent, you're going to look at them and go, okay, man, this is this is different than everything else on the card. Believable. Very believable. Uh, at the end of 88, you find yourself, well, not you, but Brother Love, has a segment with honky tonk man. Greg, He's just a honky tonk man. I'm a honky tonk 
There's a honky tonk man. He's a honky tonk. There's a honky tonk man. I'm cool. I'm cocky. I'm bad. Shasha Fresh. So this brother love segment has honky tonk man, Greg Valentine, and Jimmy Hart. Was there already thought of putting these two together as a tag team, or was it more of just? Hey, they're stable mates because of Jimmy. At that time, they were stable mates because of Jimmy. And then, uh, you know, looking looking for a tag team to put two guys together, I think they complemented each other pretty well. Honky was, again, same thing as, as putting, putting Greg with Beefcake, putting him with Jimmy, putting him with different guys that uh, had a little more show to them. A tag match for WrestleMania five is set up with Valentine and Honky to face the Hart Foundation, which of course the Hart Foundation end up winning. What do you think of uh, Valentine and Honky's chemistry together, at least when they first got going? I thought they actually. I mean, I really thought that they had good chemistry, and I, you add to that Jimmy, but it was it was just so different. It was a yin and a yang. One, one's heavy on entertainment. One's right. heavy on wrestling. Yeah. Uh, coming off mania, Valentine is looking to conclude his feud with Garvin and challenges him to a retirement match with Garvin accepting on April 29th on superstars, Valentine gets the win and Garvin is forced to retire. Uh, Garvin, uh, would become a referee who's putting creative together here in this era. Is this you Pat combination of Kyle's you guys? Pat and Vince. Okay. What'd you think of that whole, uh, retirement angle? I thought it was clever in the different ways that we would get Garvin back involved to fuck with Valentine. It is really well done. Valentine and Hart get Garvin fired from refereeing. So he transitions into being a ring announcer and it's world's worst ring announcer in the world. And then in this corner, they weigh in at the fat two flabby hundred pound. Yeah, it was horrible. It's great. But that's the idea, right? I understand. But I, Vince loved it, didn't he? All goddamn French Canadians that, you know. I bet Pat thought he did a good job. Pat thought he did a great job because Pat, Pat probably gave it to him. But it was like, I couldn't understand Pat either. At the base. So Valentine comes out to uh, Garvin's introduction for his match against Hercules. And Garvin announces Valentine as Hercules' so-called opponent. And at 249 pounds, overweight by 30 pounds, amongst other things. Of course, Valentine cheats to win. Garvin announces Hercules as the winner. And it's a brawl after the match between the three. Valentine and Hart demand Garvin be reinstated. And they get their wish. So the suspension angle was uh, used a lot in this era to get guys back in the ring and just advance the storyline. And this was well done, man. In hindsight, everything Jack Tunney was a pretty shitty president. You know, I didn't really think about that, but I think you're on to something there. Yeah. Uh, who came up with uh, the idea of Ronnie Garvin also using a shin guard? And I think he called his the hammer jammer, which is kind of fun. Yeah. I, matter of fact, that was either Pat or, or Ronnie. It was kind of the collective of, okay, how do you combat this? Well, you combat it with the same thing. So Greg's saying that his isn't used as a weapon, and they're saying that theirs isn't used as a Still, Greg, Greg had a legitimate injury that he needed his for. Well, it builds to a submission match at the Royal Rumble from 1990. The Observer gave it two stars. The guys get plenty of time, 16 minutes and, and 52 seconds. Uh, Ron Garvin wins with a Scorpion Deathlock in a match where the only way to win was by submission. 
Meltzer says, actually, they should have called it a sudden death match rather than an I quit match because the minute the thing started, the crowd, which was really up for the previous two matches, just died on the spot. It had nothing to do with the match, but fans were into neither personality. They worked a real slow pace, but it was stiff and the closest thing to a good match on the undercard. So he is complimentary of the work, but he does explain that in his opinion, it wasn't really resonating with fans. And this is probably the height of the quote unquote entertainment era of the WWE. You got guys carrying snakes to the ring and birds to the ring and dogs to the ring. Oh my. Do you think these guys were maybe just too much wrestling for the WWF audience at the time? I think so. You know, Ronnie, you know, Ronnie Garvin is one of those guys guilty of having one of the most energetic, great storyteller. Yeah. Great. Um, funny son of a bitch outside of the ring, but it didn't translate. Didn't translate always. Um, on the other side and especially I think with the language barrier a little bit with Ronnie, it was, it was tough to, to understand him. But when you're just sitting there bullshitting, Ronnie Garvin's the fucking funniest guy in the room. I mean, he's the most entertaining guy in the room when you don't have a camera on him. It's funny because you almost feel like when you go back and you watch Ronnie Garvin matches and interviews, Hey, this guy takes himself maybe too seriously. Yeah. But at the same time, this is also the guy who dressed in drag for the thing with flair. So it's hard to reconcile. Like, where do you draw the line? Like, okay, he takes himself too seriously. Well, here he is in, in drag. So maybe not, but it didn't always translate when the red light was on. Yeah. All right. We'll move along. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After we transition or after that match, of course, we realize it's time for a change. So Greg and Honky are put back together, but this time as rhythm and blues. And there's a story out there that Jesse, the body Ventura kept telling Greg, he had to dye his hair black for almost eight months, but Valentine resisted until finally doing it. Do you remember how you guys got Greg to dye his hair and how you hold this guitar? We know you can't play a lick, but wear this jacket and hold this guitar and I think that it was awesome. Um, <laughs> it was fucking great. You were looking for a word, and let me just tell you, awesome was not the word. Oh, no, it was awesome. You loved rhythm and blues. Oh, I loved rhythm and blues. And I loved Greg's black hair. Man, that made it. You loved it because he hated it. No, no. I loved it because it was great. Because you had taken a guy that you had viewed as one way That's true. his entire career, and he was one-dimensional in many ways, man. He moves straight forward with his bleach blonde hair and his nice robes and all this shit, and you shake that package up with the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, the honky-tonk man. No doubt. Put them together with Jimmy Hart and their rhythm and blues. And... Honky's the rhythm and Greg's the blues. And it's like, they had to be different. Otherwise, it was just Greg Valentine and Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, well, they were different. They were different. They were great. You put Greg in his, in his, um, the Elvis jackets and shit like that and the big glasses. It was absolutely awesome. I loved it. 
Well, one of their biggest outings and most memorable moments is WrestleMania six. Oh my God. The pink Cadillac diamond Dallas page is the driver who in wrestling knew Dallas had a pink Cadillac and who in the company said, Hey, what if we used a pink Cadillac? Milk and dream Dusty Rose. One time I said, dream, dream. One of we find a pink Cadillac somewhere. We need to live with a pink Cadillac. Goes, pong in the head. Pong in the head. I got a pink Cadillac for you. You know, uh, Daddy, Dell Page, he down there in Fort Myers, Norma Jean, he got a pink Cadillac. He let you use it. Had you seen any of his AWA stuff? Who? Dallas Page when he was. Married. I knew Dallas from, from, so you from didn't Florida. Know. Yeah, okay. no, I knew Dallas. You went to the bars and stuff? Yeah. Um, but I didn't know he had a pink Cadillac. Dusty's the one that told me he had a pink Cadillac. And so I called him and, uh, or Dusty called him. I forget how the hell we did it, but we I said, Hey man, you can get that pink Cadillac to Toronto. And he said, yes. So we put, he was a driver and all that shit. Beautiful fucking pink Cadillac. That's awesome. Peggy Sue, you know, it was great. Uh, what's your favorite, uh, Honky Tonk Man song. Well, you know. I mean, where does Honka Honka Honky Honky Love? I was just going to say, Honka 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 Honky Love is, is a classic. Where does that It was fit? an instant classic. It, look, man, you're never going to get any better than I'm just a Honky Tonk Man. He's a Honky Tonk Man. I'm just a Honky Tonk Man. He's a Honky Tonk I'm just a Honky Tonk Man. I'm cool. I'm cocky and bad. I'm great. That fucking song resonates still today. I mean, goddamn Dwight Yoakam wrote a song about the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, it's got to be Wayne Ferris he's talking about. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Who else would it be? Duh. So, uh, Gorilla Monsoon on commentary would say every time Greg Valentine got on the microphone, if you hung the hammer for being a good singer, you would hang an innocent person. Everybody was having fun with this. Was Greg having fun with this? I don't think Greg was having as much fun as everyone else was having with it. No, I could guess that. But I think that it, uh, at some point, Greg kind of went ahead and said, all right, this is what it's going to be. I might as well just kind of jump on into it. Rhythm and Blues are seemingly lost in the tag team shuffle. You know, you've got a lot of great teams at the time, the Hart Foundation, the Rockers. Uh, of course, the Legion of Doom are coming in. Demolitions there, so Rhythm and Blues wind up feuding with the Bushwhackers. Do you remember? The, why did you laugh? Because I just go back to the, the WrestleMania Six thing when the you had the uh, souvenir guys around the ring throwing out stuff, and Honky Tonk Man cuts his promo was, "Hey, hey, wait a minute." Yeah, those aren't souvenir vendors out there. That's Bushwhacker Luke. And that's Bushwhacker Butch. And there, you know, and it was just like. So campy. It was hilarious. And you loved it. I did love it. It was great. Do you remember either Honky or Greg being upset with their lot in life or the check so good that they're not a peep? You know, I think that Honky Tonk Man probably felt that he should be the Honky Tonk Man and that uh, Greg was probably piggybacking on his gimmick. Greg finally probably felt that he should be Greg Valentine and that he should have no attachment whatsoever to Honky Tonk's gimmick. However, the threesome, Jimmy Hart, Greg Valentine, and the Honky Tonk Man, rhythm and blues, man, 
That shit was great. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing, waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever to the naked eye trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are. And they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop over a mile to stop by that time. It's too late. And the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. And if the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Did you know that Rhythm and Blues Greg Valentine action figure is one of the most coveted ever? I bet it is. Seriously. No, I'm serious. I bet it is because of the black hair and the whole different thing. It's different than any other Greg Valentine look that he's ever done. I think Cardona spent like new Toyota money on one. Well, so there you go. I mean, that's silly, but, uh, they begin a feud with the heart foundation in September. doesn't really go anywhere, but then they're a part of the undertaker's debut at survivor series on his team with Ted DiBiase, uh, Valentine's pinned by Bret Hart. It feels like they're just sort of more or less treading water here. Uh, as we wind down 1990, the last match of the honky tonk man happens on December 16th, 1990 in the Meadowlands. He's going to team with Valentine and power and glory to lose to the Bushwhackers and heart foundation. We've talked about honky before, but what's the deal? Oh God. I think just honky getting inside honky's own head. And he could do that sometimes just thinking he deserves more, wants more. And, uh, I'll just leave. So he did. So Valentine turns babyface after Honky quits at the end of the year. Um, they're at Madison Square Garden when Jimmy Hart's interference backfires against Saba Simba. But all of a sudden, Valentine shows up at Herb Abrams' UWF taping to continue his feud with Honky. Uh, did Valentine leave, or was he just not a part of a full-time deal? I only ask because he's back by the time for the Royal Rumble. And it makes me wonder, was his contract coming up or do you remember any of those details yeah i don't remember any of that and contracts were so different then that it really didn't wasn't wasn't that kind of a deal um i'm sure that greg just probably wanted to move on and he'd been there for a long time so it was like all right man you want to move on move on well before we move on what was your favorite saba simba match hershey pennsylvania uh, September 6th or 8th. Was Clint like there? Clint from Hershey? Yes, it was there. And by the way, I didn't like Club Simple because when he took all the stuff off, I know it was Tony Atlas. Now you'd be just stupid trying to pull one over on us because I know because I read, I get it piece of paper sent to me in the mail every week and all of it's true and I love to adore this man Clint from Hershey <laughs> what the fuck is- who the fuck Conrad why are you laughing at me do you need a light bulb changed because it's lunch on a Tuesday <laughs> this is what we're doing 
<laughs> I should be at the office writing mortgages and you should be booking bad creative, but here we are in Alabama. You got a bad tubby, Conrad. That's true. Uh, so Valentine's back at the Royal Rumble, and here's the tidbit from Meltzer. Quote, Valentine went out at 46 minutes, which means he was in the ring for 44 minutes. As the story goes, <clears throat> you're going to love this. This was his punishment for working with Herb Abrams dates in New York. The company, since Valentine wasn't under any contract, couldn't stop him from working indies, but they weren't too happy. He worked for Mr. McMahon's enemy, Mr. Abrams. What did, uh, what did Vince think of Mr. Abrams and his UWF promotion? I don't think he knew who he was or what he did. Well, he knew when he booked Andre. Okay, maybe, okay, some guy's booking Andre. I I guarantee you that he, other than, hey, there's some guy out there running matches and trying to do TV. There wasn't a whole lot on old Herb. Dino Bravo and Valentine begin a feud as Valentine's baby face push kind of starts, but in reality, he's just working mid-card matches. He loses to Earthquake at WrestleMania and then IRS at SummerSlam. Uh, Royal Rumble 92 is one of his last appearances before he leaves again. What was the opinion of Valentine in the office? Like, I know you weren't there at rumble 92, but as he's winding down 1991, it does feel like his career is, I mean, he's there, he's on the card, but he's not exactly featured. doesn't feel like uh, creative has any motivation to do much with him. Well, I think that Greg is steady. Greg was always looked at as steady. Greg was the guy you could always depend on. Greg consistent. would always deliver. And yeah, he was consistent and he was steady. A good hand, some might say. He was, nah, he was a great hand. So I guess my question was, a lot of times in wrestling, you have to sort of reinvent yourself. We've seen The Undertaker do it. We've seen Chris Jericho do it. A lot of other guys. Do you think Valentine needed to re reinvent himself a little bit? Well, yes, and I think that he did with Rhythm and Blues, and that's why that change was so important because sure. that was an opportunity to, to completely reinvent himself. You change your look, you change your gimmick, you change everything as much as you possibly can. You're still Greg Valentine, and you're still doing your shit, but give me a new presentation. Give me a new paint of coat. He moves on to WCW before reappearing back in the company for Survivor Series 93, as one of uh, Jerry Lawler's, oh, well, God. Shawn Michaels' nights as the Blue Knight. Why Valentine here? He was available? He was a name. He was available. And, yeah, the idea was that those nights, the original idea was that the nights would be kind of legends like Valentine and Terry Funk. And, right. And name value guys that when the mask came off, that the audience was like, oh, my God. Yeah, so-and-so. Yeah. yeah. He does a guest spot in the 94 Rumble where he lasts 20 minutes and then does a couple house shows. What were we spot. punishing for that time? Uh, you mean when he came back for Survivor Series? Well, I don't know. Y'all said Dave's bitch said he was, we were punishing him for something. Well, because he was on Herb's show. Okay. That's when we punished him by booking him. I guess. Paying him. By the way, do you think it's Herb or Herb? The internet always uh, gets on me. Herb. Way. Herb. Herb is a name. It's Herb. As a as, as a, a is a an seasoning. herb. It's Herb. I guess I'm saying it wrong. I thought I was saying that, and people take issue with it. What? Oh, oh did you know the Honky Tonk Man hates me too? I forgot to mention that. Why does Honky hate you? Well, we told the story on 83 weeks once where I thought he was TV champion and he wasn't. 
So he asked his Twitter following to motherfuck me because I accidentally made him TV champion and I shouldn't have done that. I'm fake news and all that. Bastard. But I mean, I lied up, right? I said he had a belt he never had. So in my head, that would be like a good thing. Well, who did your research that week? Like if I said, you probably went to the observer for your research. No, I think I was just freestyling it. And I, I assume since he was the greatest intercontinental champion of of all time, that perhaps he was TV champion too, but not so much. No, everybody knows that. Yeah, but I didn't that day. Well, so goddamn, well, you know, I'm doing a lot of podcasts. That's on you. I just wish you would do a few more. <laughs> he does a guest spot in the 94 Rumble where he lasts 20 minutes and then does a couple house shows against Bob Backlund in the summer, and that's a wrap. Uh, Greg's not seen again until he's inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2004. Greg's a Hall of Famer in everybody's book. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Greg Valentine had a Hall of Fame career and, you know, is you look at his legacy, his family legacy and everything that he has done in the business, 100% Hall of Famer. You know, we talked about how he could have been an NWA world champion. You know, he sort of fit the mold of, of that era. Do you think if he was a little older that perhaps he could have been one of the last WWF champions before Hulkamania got going. Yeah, actually I do. I think that, you know, when you look at some of those talent that came through there, I I think of guys like Greg Valentine and Don Morocco, both that could have been champion during the backland years instead of sticking with Bobby, (laughs) you know, for that whole time. But Hey, Bobby worked. Uh, what do you think his his legacy in the business will be? You know, I think that from a Stan fan point, I think people are going to look at Greg Valentine as one of the toughest guys. You believed in him. He was no nonsense. And just like his dad, his legacy is he's a tough son of a bitch. When you think about his old matches, let's give, you know, as we're just a few days away from his 70th birthday, let's give some of our listeners – uh, some recommendations of matches to go out of their way to see of his. Any come to mind? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, obviously, we talked about it earlier, and I was fucking with you, but if you get a chance to do a collar match with Roddy Piper and Greg with the, you know, from Greensboro, wherever the hell that was from, that that was excellent. But if you look at... But it's at, not as good as Butch Reed's. Well, we know that. No, you said if I had ever seen any of the good ones, that was a good one. I said it was the best one, or it set well, the standard. Whatever. Continue. I'm busting your balls back. Um, But also all of his stuff with Tito was excellent. Uh, His stuff, you go back and watch, you know, anybody that got more than one out of Backlund was was great. And Greg was able to get, you know, more out of Backlund. Greg, you know, was with, um, God, he was with, uh, help me. No, 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 no. His manager. um, I'm looking at him. No, no. Grand Wizard. You got to get hot. Well, I couldn't think of it, Conrad. I'm over here. I'm, I'm, I'm hunched over. I'm trying to find a comfortable zone. You, you said you liked sitting in these. I seats. do like sitting in these. I'm just, I'm, I'm old and tired. And sleepy and stressed. And I ate three bites of peanut butter bagel. I mean, I got you your favorite Mexican breakfast here, and you didn't even touch it. Did you uh, at least eat the bacon? No. Oh, fuck you. My wife took it away from me. So let's she said some- it will upset my tummy more. Well, she knows best. I mean, she's already 
hooked up the plumbing in the household. Uh, hey, let's do some questions, and we'll wrap this one up, because I know you got to get back to your naps or whatever. Uh, Lenny Bakken wants to know... Who? Lenny Bakken, I thought you gave him a bunch of money every single month. And Edward Jones, B-A-K-K-E, and Google it, kids. That's where Bruce's money goes. Uh, who does Bruce think was a better fit as a manager for Greg? Johnny Valiant or Jimmy Hart? Grand Wizard. Grand Wizard. Mayhem wants to know, I always thought Greg Valentine had some but amazing... But can I, let me expound on that, because Grand Wizard was the best of both of the other two. Combination. So was, you think Grand Wizard's like criminally underrated? Without a doubt. What's his real name? Ernie Roth? Ernie Roth. Yeah. Uh, Mayhem wants to know, I always thought Greg Valentine had some amazing robes. How would you rate them compared to Rick Rude or Flair or the other robes of the day, and do you know who made them? Top five. Uh, what's her name? Made them uh, in Atlanta. Johnny Walker's wife made Greg's too. Yeah, Olivia Walker, the Olivia. same lady who made Flair's, yes. made his. But I think I think his were up there with Flair's. I think they were too. Uh, you know, not way, as... better, way better than Rude's. Oh, you know, I, I, did Olivia do Rude's? No. No. I so, think I, so I think when you look at the guys that spent that money, like uh, Greg, Rick, Stud, you know, go back and look at some of John Stud's early stuff. Terry Taylor had a nice one. And you go back and look at uh, Stud and uh, Flair and, yeah, (laughs) she made some beautiful robes. Eye rolls don't translate through the mic. I didn't eye roll. I didn't eye roll. I was looking outside. Oh, my God, look at that. It's beautiful outside. Looking out of the mountains. Uh, G.J. Refill, what a great name, says, during the matches, announcers would often say it takes Valentine's 15 to 20 minutes into a match to warm up. Why say that at all? It makes it sound like his efforts suck for the first 14 minutes, especially when most of his matches didn't last 15 to 20 minutes. I'll let you take this one, Bruce, but it does feel like the announcers are just trying to say, as they say in UFC, oh, the longer this fight goes, the more it favors so-and-so. That's sort of what they were aiming for, right? That. And why the hell didn't they just say that? Okay. So you agree with CJ and Monsoon? I agree with you, CJ. Well, no, Gino would often try to embellish quite a bit of shit that didn't always need bellishing him. Uh, Jeremy Priest wants to know, where do you rank Greg as a wrestler? Don't you dare say top five. Top five. Oh, God damn it. That's not true. Greg, oh, God damn, Greg was awesome. Greg was a hell of a wrestler. Finish out the top five then. Huh? Greg Valentine, he's in the top. I'm not saying number one, but he's top five. Who are the other? But you saying wrestler or worker? Wrestler. Um, Kurt Angle, probably number one. Okay. Um, okay, Greg's on the top. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, how is he going to make this work? Sterling says Valentine's chops looks lethal. Because it was, it hurt. Where do the hammers chops rank against the Wahoos and the flares, et cetera? I think that when you, those three and you throw, uh, Greg's dad in there, Garvin. Yeah. Garvin with a little snug. But man, Greg just has these these huge, thick forearms that um, and sausage fingers. Yes, Joe dangerously says, uh, "Where'd you get those shin guards?" Red shin guards are us. Thought it was yellow. Was it red? I'm colorblind. I think it was red. Red. He might have had a yellow one too. Jeff Stewart says, uh, "Which did Greg hate more?" Black hair as part of Rhythm and Blues or his baby face run. He always felt like a heel to me. And what was the question? What did he hate more? Black hair or being a baby face? Black hair. 
Classic Joey Max says, I brought my wife to a comic con years ago. Greg was sitting alone at his table. He looked sad. My wife asked who he was. That's just Greg. (laughs) I told her and she went over and gave him a hug. She didn't realize that's just how he always looks. Right. Why do you think he looks like a sad puppy dog? Because he does. Because he he does. He does feel like you want to give him a hug. Okay. I've hugged Greg. I like Greg. Yeah, Greg, yeah. Yeah, I will. I, Greg's one of those people I'll walk across the room and say hello to. Uh, Ted the Hillbilly Hill, so he must be from around here, says, How was the hammer as a river? So we talked about his dad, Johnny, as a river. What about Greg as a river? Greg was kind of like, you know, like a silent fart. Right. Silent but deadly. Gotcha. And I would say Greg was, you know, when and if Greg would make the effort to, to rib somebody, then. I think he would have fun with it. Do you remember anyone in particular? I, I don't, but because Greg was just so sly about it. Greg wasn't one of those guys that would laugh and, and let you know that he ribbed you. Uh, Jay Marsh says, Honky Tonk Man has said in shoot interviews that Valentine was one of the most depressed people he ever knew. What say you, Bruce? Was Valentine really depressed all the time, or was he just depressed hanging around Honky? <laughs> Probably just depressed hanging around Honky. No, I think that it was Greg's uh, delivery. Sure. Greg had a slow delivery. And and Greg didn't get excited about a lot of things. You right. know what I mean? It, it was just his personality. I don't think he was depressed. Because I look, I spent I spent time in Greg's home and doing vignettes and seeing him with his hair down, not being not in wrestling, away yeah. from wrestling. Yeah. And you know, Greg's just a pretty fucking mellow mellow guy. You seen that picture of him and uh, Brutus Beefcake watching TV in the recliners? Yeah. Is that us later today, you think? That's basically, we're, we're halfway there now. <laughs> um, we're going to go to the mall and get your nipples pierced, and we're good. I don't think we are. Hey, so uh, next time we record, which will hopefully be tomorrow, I'm going huh? to try to convince you to do this tomorrow. We're going to talk about Unforgiven 2006. Yeah, fever. With, you, know, you don't have a fever. You don't know. Well, I'm going to run you through this COVID machine. Not a test, your whole body. I'm going to run you through it. All right. Uh, In Toronto, Ontario, Canada, uh, the main event that night was John Cena and Edge in a tables, ladders, and chairs match. It was a last chance match for the WWE title. Had Cena lost, Cena has to leave Raw for SmackDown. Randy Orton is going to be taking on Carlito. We got Trish working with uh, Lita, and this is going to be Trish's last match as a full-time WWE performer. We've got DX taking on Big Show and the McMahons in a three-on-two handicap Hell in a Cell match. We've got the Spirit Squad taking on the Highlanders for the tag belts. Kane versus Umaga and Johnny Nitro versus Jeff Hardy for the Intercontinental title. Man, this feels like another lifetime ago, but it was uh, September 17th, 2006. What do you think? You looking forward to talking about that one? No. Really? Yeah. What about in two weeks, which I'll probably make you record tomorrow, uh, in your house, Mind Games, perhaps. Ooh, Mind Games. That's a good show. In Philadelphia, you had the whole ECW faction in the front row. And then, of course, in the main event. Jerry Briscoe talked about how I almost whipped his ass the other day on on something about that. Because Jerry's lucky I didn't whip his ass. How's that? Just because. Hey, Siri. Did Jerry Briscoe... Almost get beat up by Bruce Pritchard. I found this on the web. Now, Siri says you're full of shit. 
Fuck Siri. She's a whore. Oh, okay. And on, yeah. that, and on that note, we'll see you guys next week right here on Something to Wrestle With. A sleepy, tired, stressed, and injured, and fatigued. Any other descriptors? Sick. And sick. Sick. Now, what exactly is wrong with you? Because you ain't got the vid, and you don't have a fever, but you got the runny poo-poos. I got the runny poo-poos. And you hey, should. That's real. And you shouldn't before. You know what? You can't prove that. Did you see it? You told me you did just a few minutes ago. I recorded. You don't it. believe anything I tell you anyway. Well, it was not written in a fucking piece of paper and sent through the mail with a bunch of typos and shit from California. You don't. You don't believe me. That's hurtful. I don't. But appreciate true. It. No, I don't get a physical copy of the Observer. I subscribe and pay money and get that's, digital. That to me is absolutely terrifying. You know, it is terrifying that I still have to pay for it. You would think by now he would comp me. You would think that you would not read a bunch of just sit there and read a bunch of fantasy every but fucking what, day. What would you rail against and fuss about every week if I didn't? Are those like Starbursts or are they fucking jelly beans? They're both, and you should enjoy them. I think it'll turn that frown upside down. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week. Hopefully, if Bruce is still with us, right here on Something to Wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. Oh, come on. Is the hot tub hot? Yeah, it's like over 100 degrees. Is it really? Yeah. Are you lying to me? And the edge pump is on, too. So What does that mean? You know, the water's going off the edge of the mountain in the pool. Yeah, it's a goddamn infinity pool. Yeah, but I got the umbrellas up for it. You're ready. And you're up here just bitching about how hard life is. No, I think I'm going to try that. I think you should. But does, it have, you sh- does it have bubbles? Buddy, if you shit in my pool. Does it have bubbles? That's the end of this podcast. You've been trying does to Does it have bubbles? The- yes. I got but that if, one place where Silva's shit on the floor. If you if you fucking hang on, hang on. You've been trying okay to get out Silva, of this. It's okay for Silva to, to shit on the floor, but not me. And Silva I'm sick. has not been welcomed back in this house since. He came, he came in yesterday. You invited him. You didn't even tell me, and I come out and he's standing. I did. There. He shocked me. I thought I was being robbed. Okay. Ain't got to get hot about it. Let's invite him over to sit in the hot tub with us. No, he'll shit in that hot tub. Okay, don't get hot. Besides, I don't trust you to get in that hot tub right now unless you're like four modium deep and I see you take them. I took, I've taken three today. Do you often vacation in Huntsville, Alabama? And is this the last one? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you guys next week. Sorry about the, actually later this week, by God. We'll see you Friday. It's Tuesday. What? Yeah, you got to do two. You missed one last week. There's no getting away from me. I'm sleepy. And tired. Yeah. And stressed. Could we put like a floaty on the hot tub where it's in the shade and I can lay down? It is in the shade. Okay. But a floaty. Why? You want to float in a hot tub? Yeah. What? What's the point of that? I don't know. Just <laughs> I think you need a nap. I do. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together... It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.